Welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. We made it through the ice storm. Yay. Good job. No one sounds excited. I, I'm very excited that you're that you all are okay. Uh well, thanks, Taylor. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm excited that it's over, but I'm still... That was a long week. <laughs> Doing online was school long... during an ice storm where pretty much all of all of the area where my professors and all of my fellow classmates live was without power and internet was just the worst. <laughs> that was a long week uh, That to have small children with nothing to do. Mm-hmm. And to just like try to exist in a hotel room, that was no fun. Yeah. I just, I, of course, I up here in New York, we, we got hit by some storms. We didn't lose any power. Uh, and just having to hear all this happen from the outside, um, those that seemed very stressful. I, I'm, our parents refused to seek any sort of warmth for like three days. <laughs> yeah, I was so worried. They were just, they were determined to just freeze there. In their home. <laughs> Just stay by the, 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 like, two feet radius of the fireplace, and I don't know, drink wine, which does not help. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and we, we did, uh, so nobody thinks I, we're, we're terrible children, like, we did get a hotel room for mom and dad, and they were like, oh, I don't know, maybe we should just stay at home. <laughs> Eventually they like, came around, no. but it took it took them a little bit. <laughs> yes, yeah. Eventually they did seek refuge in a hotel room so that they didn't freeze. <laughs> but I, yeah, it did take did, a while. Yeah, I did feel bad because I was lucky enough to have my my dorm space on campus, which I couldn't get to at first because I was trapped at mom and dad's house with no power uh, and trees falling down, blocking me from from escape. Um, but once I got back, I couldn't offer my powered warm dorm space to anyone because of the the covid restrictions we can't have any visitors or anyone inside so you know mom and dad were helping me get back to campus while i was like okay i'm gonna go inside in the warm and take a shower and use my wi-fi and everything you all just stay out here can't come in <laughs> they, they they couldn't have pulled like a never been kissed situation and tried to <laughs> Pass themselves off as, <laughs> as cool college kids. You know, I think there were several people that tried to do that for their friends or parents or family uh, at some point yeah. throughout this week, but they they were not they were not having it. It it did not work. It's too bad. It really yeah. uh, it added an extra layer of difficulty to this whole thing because, mm -hmm. like, you know, the the thing whatever whatever you think about West Virginia. And like part of it is probably right. Some of it's wrong, but part of it is probably fair. Uh, people really are like good about pulling together and like looking out for their each other, their neighbors and their community. And so like normally this kind of thing happens and you'd have a lot of people reaching out saying who has power. You can come stay at my place. I got a bed. I got a couch. I got a mattress on the floor, whatever. We'll camp out. You know, you, you always have that that kind of we look out for each other thing but then you've got like, you know, a pandemic. So <laughs> it, mm -hmm. you can't. And, and it just this whole other layer of like, what, what do you risk now? Because you can't just sit in your home if you have no source of heat, especially with little kids. It, 
it made the the 2021 is starting out more difficult <laughs> like the level yeah. of difficulty has been upped just to enter the year than i feel like we knew 2020 was gonna be <laughs> I, I don't like these this uh this competitiveness that's developing between each year to be progressively <laughs> worse yeah 2021 like i gotta come up with something man 2020 used up all the good stuff i gotta get creative mm, cover cover an entire country nice how's that sound sound good cool <laughs> yeah i am i am hopeful this is still like the the remnants of the whatever curse was on 2020 because we're still like the first two months so i'm hoping this is just like like maybe the peak of the bell curve or whatever and we'll, we'll start coming down on the other side and maybe things start getting better for most of 2021 i don't know yeah it's like you know like how chinese new year is a little bit later yeah it, like yes. maybe this is we're just a little off time right with the natural flow we just don't this, really know when it actually ends Soon, this is maybe. just to exactly. remind us that like the way that we see time and the year and months and all that is all just a construct and that, you know, the forces of the universe do not care for our, our measly human denotations of time. Like whatever, that doesn't matter to us. 2020, 2021, these numbers mean you made up the numbers. The numbers are fake. All of it's fake. It's all an illusion. 2020 can last for eons. If I choose, I am the universe. (laughs) Do you think after this, they, they redo the calendar? They change it all up because like we're about to go into March again. And last year, March lasted for about six months. So I'm just wondering, like, how much more time are we going to start adding between Marches? When is the year <laughs> going to start? <laughs> I just want to. Yeah, I just want a whole new set of months like this. Yeah. This is this is meh. Next month. is I don't know. After that is like, oh, we're here again. <laughs> yeah. And it's, that's it. It's just it's a three. Like, yeah. I read that's about it, this once. Yeah. There is a, this is like 46 BC. What? Okay. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Uh, 46 BCE was the longest year in human history. No, Sydney, I think that was 2020. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Your facts are outdated. (laughs) I read about this once. It was really interesting. It was because they, it was before the um the the julian roman calendar and so in order to like reset so that the months would be the way they wanted it to be they had to add extra months into the year but they didn't have names for them because it was just a way of like resetting everything so it was also called the year of confusion because no one ever knew when it was or like what it was <laughs> like the sun went up and down time passed no one knew it. there was no name for any of it so now i think that's okay. fascinating yeah yeah that feels very that's... that feels very relevant yeah but it reset the calendar that's why we have the 12 months like that we have now but mm-hmm. anyway but this was this is how it all got reset is they just had one year where they were like listen this year's gonna kind of be a throwaway nobody's ever gonna know what day it is but well, january I like one a, i would like a hard reset if possible yes and <laughs> could i like get like maybe a a, a a year or two back like can i minus a few years from my age i saw somebody post that they went into the pandemic at 28 and now they're 30 and my heart went out to that person because like, you know, going through that sort of a transition where you're like, all right, I'm almost 30. I got to do things. 
don't do anything for a year and a half. Okay. All right. All right. I'm 30 now. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of the passage of time. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Uh, good. A good transition. passage of time. Um, we watch now and then this week. Uh, first of all, it's been a long time, I realize, since I've seen now and then. Mm-hmm. Because... I started it and I, I like I was getting it in under the wire to watch it because of the power being out and all that for so long. Mm-hmm. I didn't have an opportunity to watch it on my own. So I ended up having to watch it with my children. And I thought, well, it's a, you know, they'll like this. Like there's a lot of like kids stuff. There's like water balloons filled with jello. Mm-hmm. Kids like that. Yeah. Kids. <laughs> this will be fine. Uh, I had forgotten um, how much like death <laughs> is a part of it. Yeah. Death, yeah. murder. Yeah. Uh-huh. Descriptions of death. <laughs> like very vivid descriptions of like, like a character's mom dying. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to the point where Cooper looked at me after that and went, her mommy died. And I was like, ah, oh, crap. What have I done? <laughs> Why did I let them be in the room when I was watching this movie? <laughs> Coop probably wanted to go back to that description a few times, though, right? Let's be real. Charlie and Cooper. Well, first of all, Cooper loved the fact that people kissed in the movie. There was mooching. Hmm. And Cooper yes. was Cooper's oh, very no. much. Yeah, Cooper's very into like people getting married and kissing right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> mooching sells. yeah mooching um but charlie got really into the mystery of what happened to dear johnny Mm. and then like at the time i was thinking i don't remember i remember that crazy pete which is the name which is what they call the character which i realize Mm -hmm. is like obviously not what you should call a human and awful but that is that is his name in the credits uh that you realize he is dear Johnny's father like I remembered that that twist but I didn't remember like what what happened to that person who passed away and then you find out later like oh he was murdered and then and Charlie sort of missed it like she was listening but she didn't quite understand what happened and she was like so what happened to dear Johnny and I was like "Uh, nothing (laughs) I I didn't know how to say like (laughs) you don't really understand the concept of murdered. So (laughs) I don't know. I guess that would be a weird concept to share with a six year old. Like we just got into like what death is, but let's, let's add another layer to that. Well, that was really like, it, it occurred to me all of this. Like I had in my head, this movie that I watched as a, as a kid was what was in my memory that I found really like lovely and endearing when I was a kid. And now I'm realizing like, we just showed anything to kids, didn't we? <laughs> like for a while there, there, there are parents of a certain yeah. age who have this moment frequently where you're showing your children something that you remember being so like appropriate for kids when you were younger. And then like 10 minutes in, you're like, Oh crap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crap, Peter Pan. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, Peter Pan. 
Peter Pan's no a Peter big Pan. no for lots of reasons. <laughs> no, Peter Pan. I didn't know you were this bad. <laughs> wow, there's definitely a lot of casual, like, just death. Like, a lot more, like, it's totally okay to see somebody just get just straight up murdered in a cartoon or <laughs> a kid's Yes, movie. yeah. Well, and I, it was funny, the first, so I should say, so the plot of Now and Then, if you haven't seen Now and Then, uh, Now and Then is a movie, it's like, a, I mean, it's sort of like Stand By Me, which you've probably, most people have seen, I think. Um, it's a coming of age type of movie for young women in the 1970s. And then, like, they have a wild summer that they'll never forget where they learn about life and love and friendship and family and <laughs> whatever. And then they grow up and we see them as adults at the end of the film, living their, living out their lives and still having not learned things, I guess. Um, that's really the whole thing. I don't think there's much more. There's a now I mean, there's and there's that, a then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the whole thing. And it is, I saw like a lot of the, so it came out in 1995. It was, panned by critics apparently like people did not like it and basically just said oh so it's stand by me except with girls and also worse that was kind of the oh man (laughs) the first the first backlash to an all-female reboot i didn't know it went back that far (laughs) it's like ghostbusters before the ghostbusters (laughs) oh no that was that was exactly everybody was like Why'd you need to remake this great movie but put girls in it and then it sucks now? And that was pretty much it. It was probably because they talk about like female puberty, right? Everyone was like, mm, gross. <laughs> well, there is that aspect. I feel like any movie, um, I, I would say that like The Virgin Suicides probably had the same kind of reaction from like all of a sudden you have girls talking about what society not me this is not me but what society would deem like gross girl stuff Mm -hmm. and it's like oh no don't put that in a movie (laughs) yeah see i guess i guess this is showing my my references because when i i I hadn't watched it i think since like we watched it in childhood and maybe it's just because i'm a big fan of it the movies but all I was thinking was like, this feels like a very parallel story to it, and especially with all the random like death and murder. I'm like, like is this just a, is this is this the same like world? But like these kids are coming back just to have a reunion, while these kids over here are like fighting the evil incarnate from space <laughs> clown man. Like it kind of felt very the same. There, there is a scene where a child falls into a storm drain. Yes. Yeah, right? Like it was felt like I was like, oh no, now the clown comes. Wait, no, you're watching this is a this is a not a scary movie. But I was waiting. I was ready for the clown. It's an intense scene nonetheless. Like that was the scene when that start that when that part happened, one of the characters gets into a storm drain intentionally to get a bracelet and then is saved by by the way, when the old man comes to save her, I had this moment where I was like they didn't use the same old man that they did in Home Alone, did they? <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. Um, no. But like at that moment, I realized like, oh, it's the same character, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's the same idea. Yeah. Like nice old man who everybody thinks is creepy for absolutely no reason and helps out our protagonist in the end. Yeah. 
Man, I... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I love that image of Derry, Maine, with one one little downtown area going on. There's a bunch of kids that come back to fight a clown. (laughs) (laughs) The other one, you've got (laughs) these girls that come back. (laughs) Talking about their treehouse. Yes, like it's just an adjacent storyline. Like you know, that's uh, there, that wasn't that, that wasn't a uh, a robber that broke in and, and murdered Pete's family. That was the clown. They just don't know. They're just out of the loop. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the thing. Uh, so the storm drain scene. Really, I, I, at that moment, I was looking at Charlie going, "It's fine. Don't worry. No, don't worry. Everybody comes out fine. It is fine." This is before I remembered the murder, but um. <laughs> the, that really shocked Charlie. And then the other thing that I it hit me in the opening scene of the movie, you you see like the four adults who, by the way, like they got big names for this. You know, yeah, you've got Demi yeah. Moore, you've got Melanie Griffith, you've got Rosie O'Donnell, um, Rita Wilson. I mean, yeah, I mean big names. Yeah, but yeah. like well, and the kids too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christina Ricci, Thora Birch. Devin Sawa, a young Devin Sawa. A young Devin Sawa. Uh, Gabby Hoffman. Yep. Um, I don't remember the fourth actor's name. Uh, but anyway, um, so in that in that opening scene, you see the adults, and then you flash back to their summer as children, and then their adults again in the end. But both Demi Moore and Melanie Griffith's character are swinging, and because they have like big city sophisticated lives that's that's kind of like the way they're both made like one is clearly east coast one is clearly west coast but both big city sophisticated (laughs) um (laughs) and you know that because they're smoking and that's what you do in a movie in the 90s if you're a big city sophisticated person is you smoke and they're swinging on the swing set and smoking and charlie looks at me and goes are they smoking (laughs) (laughs) Are well, th- who does that? I, I mean, I even had a moment because, you know, they, the adult versions of themselves come back to town because one of them is pregnant. And there's a scene where Demi, Demi Moore's character is standing there next to the pregnant lady smoking her cigarette. Yes. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, yo, that's, <laughs> don't do that. 1995. <laughs> like, that a, uh, yeah, that was a... I, the, the, the wardrobe and the characterization of Demi Moore's character in this, though, that was just... Wow, that was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this literary goth, like Demi Moore in like braids and pantsuits. It was good. It's a very well, good that's, aesthetic. That's how you all dress in New York, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You, you show up <laughs> and they give you your, your uh, all, all black, slightly business like attire with like a weird hat <laughs> and a carton of Marlboro Reds. <laughs> Uh, and Melanie Griffith brings her not just a limo because she's famous, but a limo driver who has to sit in the limo the whole time she's there. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I, I, how long was she planning on staying? Because it's implied that she was planning on staying through the pregnancy, through the, the birthing process. So that that must be a well-paid limo driver. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rosie O'Donnell, who is who Christina Ricci grows up to be um, is a gynecologist who also an OBGYN who also they allude to like her being great at sports. So 
which I don't know if that's in a, a League of Your Own reference or... <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that also in the canon i don't think that fits the timeline sid it, is this the same universe was rosie o'donnell in a league of their own as that same character who is also Are now we- an OBGYN who is delivering rita wilson's baby did, did all movies in the 90s like take place in the same universe is that i mean i guess that that would be the it mini series then not the new movies but I, I also feel yeah. like it's unfair that like you have Rosie O'Donnell in this role and they mention at one point because like Rita Wilson's supposed to be like the kind of, kind of prototypical like homemaker sort of stereotype. Mm-hmm. And she says she refers to her as having Rosie O'Donnell's character as having an alternative lifestyle And then they define her alternative lifestyle. I'm using air quotes for that, by the way, is that Mm -hmm. her and her boyfriend live together in sin. (laughs) And it was like, (laughs) not even obvious. (laughs) Right. Even in 95, could we not have lesbians? Well, especially because I'm sorry. And maybe this is just, you know, when you when especially growing up in the 90s where you kind of have to reach. For, for gay icons and like yeah. queer moments in film, you you make them up even when they're not there. But the whole relationship between uh, between Rosie O'Donnell's character and what, what's her name, Rita Wilson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like that whole relationship as adults, they're very close. And like Rosie O'Donnell's the one that's there for the birth, not the dad. And there's like mm-hmm. a very specific scene when the dad finally shows up and like Rosie O'Donnell has delivered their child and it's just kind of standing there off to the side watching. Like it was, it felt like it felt a little bit of gay longing. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like that's there to some extent. I feel like that, but I, but it's like it's in there in the way that a lot of things were in the '90s, where like someone was smart enough to be able to slip it in without other people who weren't mm-hmm. as smart knowing it was there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just a secret, just a shh, secret gay cookie. It's a, it's here. Shh, don't tell anyone. Don't worry, you can have it. <laughs> It's like when you're watching cartoons, like children's cartoons as an adult, and there every once in a while there's a moment, and you're like, "Oh, that's that's in there for the adults that are being made to watch this with their with their children." It's like this is for the this is for the queer people watching. You'll you'll understand. Nope. <laughs> not the straights, but you will. Yeah, <laughs> a sec- a secret message that the straights won't hear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just to, just to let you know, like we're we're here. <laughs> Don't worry, we're here too. We, we see. see you. Um, I want to talk about why, like this movie, why I liked it so much that I would make that I would subject you all to it. <laughs> when apparently, like, <laughs> literally, no one else did is the impression the internet has given me. Um, mm-hmm. But before we do that, let's check the group message. Uh, I don't know if you two know this, but my husband loves cereal. Where? Yes. Yeah, like he does a whole podcast about it. Y- yeah. That's why someone told us we had a bad cereal podcast. Right. We're about to improve the quality of our cereal podcast today. Yes. All right. Um, Because, you know, cereal's great. I love cereal. Uh, I think that was always like a special treat uh, of a breakfast when you got to have cereal when you were a kid. Um, But we, as we grow up, we realize like there's a lot of sugar in there. And that's not like the only thing you want to have for breakfast is sugar. Um, And so you want to eat cereal that tastes good, but that you can feel a little better about nutritionally. And Magic Spoon 
has solved that problem for us. Um, we've been getting Magic Spoon for a while because uh, Justin does love cereal so much, and he was looking for something that was just a little, a little better in terms of the sugar content. Because mm-hmm. uh, some sugar is okay, too much sugar is not good. And uh, Magic Spoon really tastes great and like will fulfill that cereal craving that you have without giving you uh, all that sugar. It's keto friendly, it's gluten free, it's grain free, it's soy free. Um, it's got more protein and, and like I said, zero sugar. So it's, it's, you know, you can feel better about eating it as a meal. Um, and you can get a variety pack with cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter. I really like the peanut butter. I thought that one was particularly yummy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and like I said, you can, you can feel good about eating a bowl of that for breakfast and know that you got a much, a much more well-rounded, uh, breakfast than, uh, than your usual bowl of cereal. Mm-hmm. So, Tay, if our listeners want to check out Magic Spoon, what should they do? They should go to magicspoon.com slash buffering to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code buffering at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash buffering and use the code buffering. Uh, thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. So as a, a, young, a young college student that um, lives in my own dorm, I find myself walking around campus a lot, sometimes at night, you know, walking back into my dorm or walking to the library a lot more when I could actually go places, you know, pre-pandemic. But still now, you know, sometimes I got to go out and get things. Um, so I, I've long looked for something to keep with me on myself that makes me feel a little bit safer while I'm doing so. And that is why I have started using Birdie. Um, it makes it so I can, you know, keep running errands, taking walks, you know, doing whatever I need to do on my own and still feel safe. Um, Birdie is a personal safety alarm that is easy to carry and simple to use. When activated, it emits a loud siren and a flashing light to help deter an attack which is very true. I, you know, wanted to try it just, you know, when I first got it, see like, well, what will it actually do if I need to use it? And it does, it is a very loud siren and a very bright flashing light. Um, But it's nice because you don't need to press anything, you know, you don't need to get anything out and um, get anything set up. You hook it on your keychain, and when you pull off the body of your little alarm from the pin, then it goes off so you can keep it right on your keys. it is no danger to you, so you can feel confident using it. As someone who is very um, not always coordinated, it was very easy for me to use. And also, mm-hmm. it comes in fun colors, so you'll actually want to carry it. I know mine is a fun little pink color that goes with my keys and goes with my, my wallet. So it, it goes with my whole look I got going on, but also keeps me safe. So buy your birdie today for a safer tomorrow. Taylor, if our listeners want to check out birdie, what should they do? Well, She's Birdie is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase when you go to she'sbirdie.com slash buffering. That's She's Birdie spelled S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E dot com slash buffering for 15% off. So, okay. I tried to, as I watched it, understand what exactly about this movie spoke to me so much. I think part of it was kind of what we've already alluded to the idea that like this movie was not um necessarily made for boys <laughs> um because it, I, I felt like so much of the stuff I was supposed to like when I was younger was not really for me 
but it was deemed cool. And so I was supposed to like it. And this felt like distinctly aimed at me. Um, which, you know, as we've talked about before, is also stuff that gets widely panned when it's aimed at teenage girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that, like, the main writer character, like, back in my angsty youth, I would have connected to that. Like, I know what that's like. Nobody understands you. You have this secret <laughs> internal world <laughs> you can only share with your diary. <laughs> I think a lot of that like angst spoke to me. Um, and I kind of assumed like, I'm going to be like that when I grow, when I grow up, just like Demi Moore, I'm going to be dark and messed up and I won't smoke cause smoking's bad, but otherwise <laughs> <laughs> I have to assume yeah. that's what it was. I-, I was thinking that I was like, man, I- I- young Sydney definitely thought she was going to be Demi Moore and, she turned out to be Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, did you realize this is the character you actually ended up as? Uh, you know, in retrospect, I should have. The moment where Rosie O'Donnell's character, with, well, it's Christina Ricci, I should say, where Christina Ricci is getting dressed and like she's putting on just a big flannel and going out. I was like, oh, <laughs> That's <Okay>. me. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then getting in fights because the boys say she can't play sports. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, uh, I get it. <laughs> I I love that you know there's a kind of a sinner thing in this with the young girls is that they're they do like regular seances and they try to talk to <laughs> yeah. the dead. I, I you know when you're talking about stuff that girls love, it's like girl stuff. I love that in the pantheon of stuff that m- movies and pop culture codify as girl stuff. It's like, oh, makeup, fashion, the occult. Like, yes. uh-huh. it's always in the wheelhouse. And I'm like, yes. Because <laughs> it's true. Every young, like, every young girl goes through the, like, I, I think I'm going to be a witch now stage. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's just part of, part of your, uh, <laughs> your maturing. It, it really is, like, it is something that, I, I mean, I don't know. I, you, you know, I'm just speaking anecdotally to my own personal experience obviously you can't generalize everything but there really is I have noticed when Justin and I talk about like you know when you were younger and you played with Ouija boards or you know when you were younger and you tried to cast spells you know when you when you were younger and you had seances or played light as a feather stiff as a board or tried to get Bloody Mary to show up in the mirror or and he's like no (laughs) no No, I don't know any of this that you're talking about. We did not do this. Is is it just like a natural reaction to like you know you get to you get to be like a, a like a preteen teenager? You want agency and power in your life, and like I guess if you're you know raised as a, as a man, it's like oh this is all available to me. And if you're raised as a woman, you're like oh well I guess I got to turn to magic. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I mean it makes I it makes sense. Yeah. I just really appreciated. I I mom showed me this movie a very long time ago for the first time. I was probably older than Charlie, but probably not by much. Um, and I hadn't seen it again until just just this week. And I did really appreciate how into figuring out what happened to Dear Johnny they got. Um, like because it felt very it felt very close to me to see other young 
women getting really into a true crime story and trying to figure <laughs> it out. It very much felt like the kind of thing like they probably have like a, a conspiracy board somewhere, um, you know, with all like the red string tacking things together. I got. I also like Charlie got very into that that storyline. Yes, that's all Charlie wanted to know. Wanted to do was solve the mystery. What happened to yes. Dear Johnny? Um, I uh, I have to admit I completely forgot about Brendan Fraser's um, like Vietnam vet character uh, that shows up in there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, looking amazing! By the way, I I forget how attractive that man is. <laughs> Uh, he really is, right? He's I mean, a be- beautiful, beautiful man, great actor. Just, but just in, just, just in everything. Um, yeah. George of the Jungle, man, <laughs> so yeah, good. That, that is an odd. That's an odd little moment in the film. Like, I like it. I, I like that they're slipping in the narrative that is going on in the timeline. But like, it's also very much like, oh, by the way, Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, if you set a movie in 1970, I don't think you can't talk, you know. (laughs) Yeah, you have to put it in there to like just fully round out the setting, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you're if you're not going to have helicopters in the entire thing. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, that and then also, I mean, talking about other people who show up in this movie, then Hank Azaria shows up. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the the new boyfriend to the mom that's having a divorce, which is very scandalous. That is oh. a very scandalous moment yeah. in this movie. <laughs> well, and also we're we're missing our queen. Janine Garofalo is in this movie. Yes, Janine Garofalo as the best role. Like if if like that as this like waitress slash mystic <laughs> that the girls interact with. <laughs> I love that. I, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, which. You know, what they're playing on, like, and I don't know, it's funny, because I don't know if it entirely comes across until you watch it a lot, but what they're kind of playing on is that when you're a kid, you meet people, and because, like, the way you see the world as a child is just how everything relates to you, just because, I mean, that's how we're, that's how Mm -hmm. we're made. We are inherently kind of self-obsessed when we're young and then we learn to be more empathetic and open as we get older. But because of that, people in your life become these sort of caricatures of who they were. Um, Like these archetypes that meant something to you. They were signposts in your development, but they're really just reflections of, of you in some way or, or something that you built. And that that's, it's surreal in that sense. Like that's who Mm -hmm. these people that they run into are. They're these sort of depictions of the scary guy in the neighborhood who turned out to be kind once you got to know him better. And the creepy waitress who knew about <laughs> about the occult um, that scared us. And the, the, cool, the cool older guy who told us that parents just don't understand in the denim jacket that one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's who these people are. They're not real humans in that sense. They're, but that's how we, like, if you look back, I'm sure you have people like that from your youth who, like, hold those sort of places in your brain. And then now as an adult, you go, I bet that they were actually just a, a person. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that was a person. <laughs> no, that is very true. 
but I don't know. I it, watching it now, that sort of nuance comes across. But like, I think the first time I watched it, I was just thinking like, I don't know. Boy, this movie really gets me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I remember watch when I watched the kid thinking that it was a very like a high. I don't know that there were higher stakes in the film. And now watching it as an adult, I'm like, not a lot happens in this movie. <laughs> it really but doesn't. But that's kind of the point. You know, the stuff that is like major life events when you're, you know, 13, 14 years old, the stuff that defines your year or would define your summer can seem very trivial to an adult, but it both is incredibly important to you. And then in the grand scheme of things, you know, low stakes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was it a book? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead, Riley, make yes. your point, And I'm going to look and see if this was based on a book. No, oh, I was just going to say, I remember have the, having the same impression of this movie that I probably watched it when I was like eight or nine and thinking like, this is a really intense movie. There's a lot going on. It's a lot at stake for these, these gals. But yeah, rewatching, I was like, well, not got the tree house, but that's, that's about it. <laughs> exactly. That's the summation of the summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We learned about murder and we got a treehouse. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I don't. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it it was not based on a book, um, but it feels like it should have been because like books always have those diversions where it's like you're trying to get something done. But especially if you're reading a book about a young, young adult, then like because they don't have agency, stuff gets in the way. So like we have to paint the garage today so we can't solve this murder mystery. But then after we finish painting the garage, we can, we can get back to the murder mystery. That's a very like, yeah. Young adult book device, you know, mm-hmm. to like um, add stuff in there. I will say the, the woman who wrote the movie adapted the pretty little liars novels for TV mm. and oh. wrote a lot of the pretty little liars TV series, um, oh. which I didn't realize until I looked up information about this movie for this episode, which makes sense looking back because it has those, those beginning hints of like, these kids really don't have that much stuff going on, but Oh no, there's a murder. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, what's interesting. It was filmed in Savannah, Georgia. Oh, Oh. yeah. Even though they say Shelby, Indiana. Very different settings, right? Yeah. A lot of things are filled in Savannah, though. <laughs> That's true. It's true. I also I also really wondered if um, calling the place where they all lived the Gaslight Edition. <laughs> I, I kept wondering, like, is this intentional? Is this like, is this a message? <laughs> yeah. Are they being gaslit is this be- somehow? <laughs> Are, are all there is it because like everybody's parents were gaslighting them back then and because this was the era of you know where we where we stop trusting authority and don't trust anybody over 30 and i don't know i thought it was interesting interesting yeah uh, did we even you know, use that term in 95 though i was gonna say i think that that's yeah i don't think that was a common <laughs> reference that's what it. i was wondering <laughs> But, you know, I did just think about another connection uh, to to it. I'm, I'm pushing this. Uh, both are <laughs> framed narratively by a character who grew up to be a writer. That's, That's true. true. And so I now where does this, where does it take Maine. place? Oh, OK, it takes place yeah. in Maine. So they are 
they're different locations technically, but <laughs> I think if you're if you're gonna pan this movie for being very similar to something to another film, I'm just saying. <laughs> this movie is about. This is a companion piece to it. Um, yes. What was happening to the kids who didn't know about it, <laughs> or or get et by a clown? <laughs> These were these were the kids that the clown was not interested in. That's um <laughs> there was overlap in those red rover scenes. If you look closely, there are kids who mm-hmm. who definitely get whatever eaten by the clown, but <laughs> but they're not yeah, named. That, so that clown was not into girl stuff either. That protected them. And 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 the clown knew that they knew about the occult. Why there was one girl in the losers club in it, and you know what? She she it's had true. nothing but dude friends, so she she wasn't properly educated in the ways of magic. You get enough mm-hmm. young girls together, and they can protect themselves from evil clown magic. It was Janine Garofalo. <laughs> she protected them. She yeah, she, she was she was single handedly the, the sorceress that was protecting them the whole time. And if she had not existed, they would have been part of the it. Thing. Tim Curry would have just devoured them. <laughs> they would have been part of the it thing. Oh, I forgot that was Tim Curry. Yes. Oh man. They would have seen the deadlights. Um well, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's uh the movie is infinitely more interesting when you give it this um this backstory, I think. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Uh I, you know, at, it's one of those things so many things we we re-experience on this show and I like remember why I love it so much I will say that now and then um I mean I still like it because of the nostalgia because it meant so much to me when I was younger and there still are things that I I see that I connected to because of like events very specific to our childhood that I saw Mm -hmm. in that movie and connected to when I was a kid um but all that being said it's a tough one to hold up in today's world, it's just, it's one, it's so white. It's just, mm. I mean, it it's an unforgivably white, white movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, it's just, the, and the, it's a very homogenized kind of view of what it's like to be a teenage girl. Um, it's just a very kind of one note thing. And that doesn't mean that like nobody can ever watch it or enjoy it. But uh, I don't think it's something I'm going to be re-showing because my kids obviously lost interest at some point and wandered out of the room. It is not something I think I will be re-showing them as as teenagers and being like, watch this. It's so important. I, I don't know that it. There are many things on this show that I do that I like hold on to. And I'm like, I'm going to make sure and share this with my kids. I don't know. I think this one might just be too much of the past. I, I do think there's one aspect of this movie that's worth salvaging, and that's not actually the movie, but the soundtrack. I remember yes. having this and yes. playing in the car a lot when we were younger. The CD, it was a great. It's a great soundtrack. It it absolutely is. I used to listen to that all the time. Yeah, just a lot so. of classic '70s hits. And if you want to make like a graphic novel where you merge this and it into something else <laughs> that is the the strangest crossover like fanfic idea but it's the the internet exists so it's probably out there already i don't know <laughs> now and it now- <laughs> <laughs>
now and it. There it is. Now and it. There it is. <laughs> now oh, that's perfect. It. Don't have to look back. Oh my gosh. Now and it. Okay. Well, it, hey, look. If 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 there's something that you want to see in the world and nobody else has made it, you know what that means, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> just just like the the horrible murders and terror happening in the background, but then in the forefront, you just have this lovely lovely coming of age story about four young women <laughs> trying to buy a treehouse. <laughs> they just want to buy a treehouse. <laughs> the idea of here's this kid falls into the storm train and the, the evil clown comes up is like oh wait it's a girl no <laughs> yeah. I don't want anything to do with that <laughs> we'll, we'll girl let doing girly we'll let stuff the- not about it also they're clearly guarded by the occult yes we'll let the nice old man come save this one <laughs> um all right taylor What's, well, thank you both. Let me say thank you before I ask you what's next. Thank you both for indulging me. Um, of course. Yes. Uh, and I will be apologizing to Charlie and Cooper for scarring them. <laughs> well, <sighs> I mean, if they had to learn about like death and murder somehow, I guess, you know, from Christina Ricci isn't the worst way to do it. <laughs> yeah, she did Wednesday Adams pretty well. That's like another another way of doing that, right? That is true. Charlie got very excited when she figured out that was Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Because they love the Adams family, they both do. So, and they love Beetlejuice. So it's not like, it's not like this is anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, go ahead. What's next? So, so next up, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring some music to the table. Um, this isn't really nostalgia because they never really went away. But uh, I want to talk about Green Day, probably the first like I don't know, I'm using quotey fingers, punk band that uh, I ever loved. Uh, very very much a gateway punk band for a lot of kids in the 90s perfect all right and you know i saw their their stage musicals (laughs) the whole other generation knows them as oh right the the musical people (laughs) i saw their stage if if you had told me oh my gosh listening to green day in like my friend eddie's basement that someday there would be a stage musical <laughs> i was gonna say that's that, that's who introduced me to the dookie yes uh that, that's not where i saw them progressing but uh uh-uh well uh, i hope everybody had a friend to eddie's basement that they listened to green day in. <laughs> i think everybody did <laughs> another quintessential right. like thing of gl- growing up <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both. We'll listen to Green Day for next week. And um, thank you for listening and enduring now and then. If you are one of the, I guess, majority who does not enjoy it. Thank you anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you can tweet at us at Still Buff. You can email us at stillbuffering.org. And you should go to maximumfun.org. There are lots of wonderful shows that you would enjoy. Just go there. and You can find them and listen to them. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And I, I am too. Too. <laughs> oh, man, guys. <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> Have you written Now and It yet? Or? 
right now in my head. I'm multitasking. I'll do the parody theme song for you. Get to work on that. I know that'll take you like yeah. five minutes. Yeah. <laughs>